What's up, guys? Max, you're back with a brand new episode of The Scuttlebutt Show. I hope you're doing well out there, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. I hope you're having a great Veterans Day weekend. I hope you got to spend it with your family and friends in a way that was meaningful to you. I know that that's what I did, mainly just spent it with family and friends. We have a great show today, and I'm really excited to be back with you guys. Let me start by saying everything on scuttlebuttshow.com is still 10% off through the end of the evening, Sunday evening. Uh, when and when Monday begins, the sale will be over. So if you're interested in getting something from scuttlebuttshow.com, everything's still 10% off until the end of the day. So you still can head over there and catch that sale while it's going on. Thank you, everybody, from TikTok, from the podcast, everywhere. Everyone is joining me. Really appreciate you guys being here. It's going to be a fun day today. Let me say what's up to everybody in the chat. We've got Harry Lime Pie, Alex. We've got Sam Yeet. Uh, Nuggets in the house, MC, and everybody else who hasn't checked in yet. It is Eric. It's just, if I hadn't, if I didn't say Eric, uh, it's just great to have everybody here, and we're gonna have some fun today. I have my Okinawa shirt on because we have a story from Okinawa, and I think I've decided anytime there's an Okinawa story, I'm gonna go ahead and talk about that. And I had so let me start with this. Let me start with this. Something uh, a little bit interesting for you guys. I did some follow up research. You know, this is gonna be. The about we got a big about yesterday today. Okay, we got a big about yesterday. So a couple things, I did some research on this whole Harvey Milk, you know, pedophilia thing that people were talking about in the chat, which I didn't know about. It doesn't seem like that's true at all. So, so and and I don't know, I don't know everything about this, but from what I could find, there are these rumors that were started about Harvey Milk that he was, you know, into underage partners. And I'm just trying to watch my language for YouTube here. And, uh, and that he was, um, condemned by some public and media as being a, uh, a pedophile. But according to the internet, where all good things come from, there was, that was not true. That was a rumor. And in fact, there was never a victim. So nobody was ever the victim of that. It was just all manufactured, according to the internet, that that was all manufactured to defame Harvey Milk. And so I thought it was interesting that there was never actually a victim. There were just these accusations that were never proven in a court of law or anything like that. Um, and so I just wanted to cover that for what it's worth as the Navy named a ship after Harvey Milk last week. And people all over the place were saying he's a proven pedophile. It certainly does not seem proven. Um, I'm sure it's one of those things where everyone's going to have strong personal opinions on it, but it certainly does not seem like a proven fact of the matter that the guy was into any nefarious activity. So I just want to get that out there, put that out there and start to show off with that. Now, before we get into the stories, funny story from the weekend here, funny story for the weekend, Saturday morning, my time, I wake up a little hungover to be honest, and I've got a few emails and DMs from people whose names were in another language and who were writing me in English, obviously English was not their first language, saying, you're famous. We just found you. Like, we just found out about you. And I'm like, what kind of spam nonsense is this? And then somebody said, your video was on the news in Israel. And I said, what? <laughs> what? Uh, I don't, I don't understand, um, how that could be. I don't know what I would be doing on the news or if this is, um, accurate or anything like that. But I, I wake up on Saturday morning. I've got these emails. One of them has a link. I do not recommend clicking random links in your email, but something about this 
gave me the sense that I should click it. I should click it. Do you guys remember the Knights of Al-Aqsa Mosque, that game where you play as a Palestinian freedom fighter and you go against the IDF in a golden eye kind of port and I did that reaction video and I said, how can I be for controversial games like Six Days in Fallujah where I don't particularly think it's controversial but other people do? How can I be for that and releasing that? But, but, I am against something like Knights of Alaska and it felt hypocritical to me. So I gave my um, my thoughts on it. And I said, it obviously looks like this. Well, well, let's just wait. Let's just wait a second. Here is broadcast news from Israel. And, uh, and let me know if you recognize anybody from this one. So we've got, uh, got this. Also, it never gets old. זה משחק הוידאו החדש שעתידה לפרסם בחודש הקרוב חנות משחקי הוידאו הגדולה בעולם, סטים. בהגדרת המשחק החדש שפיתח נידל ניג'ם, הפועל מברזיל וטוען שמוצאו פלסטיני, נכתב כי הוא מתייחס לסכסוך הישראלי-פלסטיני מנקודת מבט פלסטינית, ושובר את הקלישאה שמציגה ערבים כטרוריסטים. Somebody who looks more like a terrorist than this guy right here. <laughs> the claim that they're trying to break the stereotype of the Palestinians being the terrorists in this conflict totally fail right away. I was re I realized I'm covering myself up. <laughs> השחקנים באבירי אל-אקסה יוכלו בין השאר לצאת למשימה בזירה המדמה חדר בקרה של כיפת ברזל. להסתנן למטה של המוסד. לשמש איש ארגון טרור בתקיפה ישראלית ברצועת עזה. ולהגן לכאורה גם על המסגדים בהר הבית, מפני נוכחות כוחות הביטחון הישראליים בהם, שבאים להרוס אותם. כדי לנסות ולהבין עוד את טיבו של המשחק שעתיד לצאת לשוק, שוחחנו עם עידו ברוש, יושב ראש העמותה לגיימינג תחרותי בישראל. הוא לא סובר שתהיה למשחק החדש תפוצה רחבה, אך כן מצליח להצביע באמצעותו על חולאים בחברה בכלל. ובעולם הגיע... So, I mean, there you go. What, what, what else needs to be said? Sorry, I was covering myself up at first. But uh, yeah, I mean, nobody emailed me. Nobody let me know they were going to use my video, but I started getting emails somehow. And I don't know how they figured out it was me either. I guess, you know, my logo is on there um, on the video that they shared. But I felt a little misrepresented, you know? I felt a little, uh, I felt a little like, used and abused if if I if I'm being honest they didn't take my in the entirety of my opinions on this very much because what did I say I said you know what at the end of the day this is this guy's expression and you've got Grand Theft Auto games like Rampage tons of military games it's funny we're going to tie this into a, 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 a story later and I'm supposed to be like all good with that but then when it goes against my personal beliefs I just will not be having it 
And it feels like that's how people are nowadays. And that's not how I am. That's not how I am. And that's not how I want to be. So just because I disagree with it doesn't mean I have to shut it down and cancel it, okay? Everyone's on this cancel, cancel, cancel thing now. It's not my deal, not my jam. So I just thought I would share it with you guys. It's kind of funny. Isn't that kind of funny? It's crazy that they would go out of everything on YouTube. I guess maybe there's not that much stuff on YouTube about it, actually. But out of everybody talking on YouTube about this game, they chose my video and threw it up on the news over there. I don't know what else was said in that uh, story, but... I guess I, I made the cut, which is kind of interesting. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. Now, we do have a complete regular show for you guys today with some really cool stories, some fun stuff, some controversial stuff, some potentially dangerous stuff, and something kind of crazy. And hopefully this episode doesn't get me strike number two. We'll, we'll see. I'm just reporting on military news here. So we'll see what happens. Let's start the show off with an update on an old story. The U.S. Marine Corps has officially decided not to punish a Marine who appeared on stage at a Trump rally. Do you guys remember that guy who said he was the one carrying the baby over the fence? He actually wasn't, and then he went to a rally. Well, he's not going to get in any trouble for that. So we've got a, an update on that. So we talked about it. They said they were investigating him to see if his appearance at the rally was somehow against UCMJ or even worse, his reputation destroyed by misrepresenting himself as the guy who pulled the baby over the wall. But the story is now being cleared up by this uh, article here that, in fact, he was on the other side of the wall and that guy handed the baby to him. So he was like the second person in the chain of custody of said baby. So the U.S. Marine Corps decided not to punish a serviceman who spoke on stage at a Donald Trump rally, according to the internal Marine communications obtained by Insider via Freedom of Information Act or a FOIA request. Lance Corporal Hunter Clark appeared on stage at Save America rally in Perry, Georgia, on September 25th, in which he introduced himself and claimed to be the guy that pulled the baby over the wall. He ended up not being the guy who pulled the baby over the wall. And that's the, the greatest, you know, affront he, he made in this entire episode here. Um, it, it's the Marine Corps says, I do not believe that a reasonable person would consider Clark's words to constitute speech at a political event. So he's going to be off the hook. That's a short story there. I didn't want to get too into it, but I thought you guys might want to know because we did cover that story and you might be interested in knowing, uh, what the outcome of that was. So he's not going to get charged. I don't think that he should be charged with anything except for as Larry D in the chat just said, a little case of stolen valor because he said that he did something that he didn't do. And that's a little bit shady, but other than that, who cares? Uh, honestly, he didn't do anything that bad. He just went in civilian clothes to a political rally, and we've seen way worse stuff than that out there from other service members that we've covered on this show. So it's fine. Let's see. Uh, MC did the Chad workout, 1,000 step-ups. Good job, MC. Great work. Good for you. I didn't do it, to be totally honest. Uh, we did something else. And it's still on my docket. Maybe I'll go do it this afternoon or something like that. I feel like I owe it now. Um, Nugget says, at least you have fans in Israel. You need an Israeli YouTube channel now. I did have to get on a VPN to watch that video. Like it or not, Max, you have now picked a side in the Arab-Israeli conflict. Oh, I know it. They're going to know me as the anti-Palestinian uh, guy, I guess. It's kind of crazy. I didn't want to get roped up and all that. Um, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. The dude stole credit. That's disrespectful and misleading. Nuggets, I do agree. Uh, MC says, we won't cancel you, Max. We know you're open-minded and unbiased. Well, thank you very much. I try to be unbiased. I think everybody has some level of bias, but I try to be as unbiased as possible. This next story, though, this next story, I really want to get you guys' thoughts on this. I have, 
I have thoughts on this myself. We're going to talk about it, but this one is kind of crazy. Channing Tatum and Tom Hardy set to star in drama about Afghanistan withdrawal. Can anybody say too soon? This might be a little, a little too soon. It was like a month ago, two months ago now, I guess, almost two months ago. And they've already got two Hollywood A-listers. I don't know, is Channing Tatum still an A-lister? Hollywood stars who are going to star in a movie about the Afghanistan withdrawal. But when you see who they're playing, it's even crazier than that. Not wasting any time, Universal Pictures has bought an untitled pitch about the last days of the Afghanistan war from the writer-producer George Nolfi. Channing Tatum and Tom Hardy have signed on to star in the as-yet-unwritten movie. Not even written yet. They're just like, hey, uh, Hollywood, we should make a movie about this. They're like, deal, ink on paper, let's do it. According to the deadline, the script will be based on a true story about three former Special Forces team members who raced to rescue families and allies left behind as the Afghanistan's government collapsed in August 2021. It sounds like what they're talking about is like the Pineapple Express mission that uh, a lot of celebrity vets participated in, Special Forces vets. I can't remember the name of the one guy specifically. He's like an MMA fighter, YouTuber, entertainer, you know, SF. He's like in the reserves. Uh, I can't, his name's escaping me right now. Somebody will put it in the chat, but I'm sure it's about that. Tatum uh, starred as the title character Magic Mike, Duke in a pair of G.I. Joe movies and 21 Jump Street. Hardy has recently enjoyed success with his unhinged performance in the Marvel sequel Venom, and he's been Bane in The Dark Knight, and Mad Ma and he was Max in Mad Max. After writing the screenplays for Ocean's 12 and The Bourne Ultimatum, Nolfi, the director of this movie, it's going to be, um, wrote and directed The Adjustment Bureau, a science fiction movie. He re most recently wrote and directed The Banker for Apple TV. There's no word in the press release as to whether he's set to direct this new Afghanistan movie, but that seems a strong possibility. When a studio announces that it has bought a pitch based on real-life events, there's a general sense that it is planting a flag and trying to warn off the competition from tackling the same subject. Unless the script is almost finished, this movie might not even film until 2023. Everyone involved in the movie has to hope the public will remember that we fought a war by the time it comes out. That's a good point, too. So when I when I saw the, Tim Kennedy, thank you, guys. Tim Kennedy was who I'm thinking of. So if you're listening uh, online, the, the guy that I was talking about that ran that mission, or at least was like the public face of it, was Tim Kennedy. And I think that's probably who they're going to make this about. So they've got... A, there's a couple ways to look at this, okay? The first, the first thing is a cash grab, right? The first thing that came to mind for me was it was a cash grab on the struggles and horrors of war and the suffering of people. And of course, that is not a positive look on it, okay? The second way to look at it is if you're a studio, you go, well, you know, people want to know what happened. There's is there hardly a difference between op-ed reporting and a movie? If Rolling Stone does a comprehensive article on the withdrawal from Afghanistan, for example, is that so different than a movie? You know, it, should I feel differently about those two things if they're trying to tell a story? Movies, while they'll likely make a lot of money, also cost a lot of money. And so this is a risk taken by the studio to tell this story. Now, the, I, now the, it's so soon to be announcing something like this, though. So why would they do it? It's got to be, it's got to be that 
they're worried that somebody else will do it first, right? Everyone's going to want to be first to pull the trigger, so to speak, on something like this, first to the presses, first to the theaters, because if they do it second, then nobody's going to want to watch the second movie. It's like when Armageddon and Deep Impact came out. Who's watching Deep Impact? Seriously. Who's going to see Deep Impact when you got Armageddon coming out at the same time? This is common. So will we see a competitor movie for this? It's very possible that we will. There's tons of documentaries about this that people make money off of. If you go watch a documentary like uh, 3212 Unredacted on Hulu about the SF team killed in Niger, then you might go, well, Hulu just made a bunch of money selling advertisements off of that. And But they're trying to tell the story. And by the way, I did watch that. My thought, I have to get a couple reviews out to you guys. It's so hard to find time to do that stuff. So I don't know. I guess I, I, I see it multiple ways here. I don't want to rush to getting really like negative about this because I've celebrated other movies like this, Lone Survivor, um, American Sniper, we Mosul. We've got other movies, The Outpost, other war movies about relatively recent combat environments, wars that have gone on. And I'm writing a book about Afghanistan right now. So who am I to critique and say, oh, look at these, you know, look at the, these clowns going after a cash grab. It's, it, it makes me feel a lot of different ways, I guess, is what I'm getting at here. And so I think that by the time this movie comes out, it will be reasonable. A reasonable amount of time will have passed. It might be difficult for families. How about this? All of the Afghan refugees living in the United States will be able to see this movie. How about that? And they'll go, oh, that's Channing Tatum's playing Tim. Tim saved our asses out there, you know? It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be an interesting time when this movie comes out. I think announcing it is nothing to get too spun up about because at first I did. At first, when I saw it, I was like, this has gotta be a joke, right? Like, it seems sometimes like they flip movies so fast. I'm surprised the trailer wasn't in the article to this thing. It's like, how do they do it? How do they do it? But then you know, now I find out that this movie's set to come out probably in a couple of years, if it ever comes out at all, because they could just put it on the back burner, like some th some places buy the rights to something and then just never make it. They buy the rights. So in fact, it does never get made. And so this could go one of many different ways. And it's too early to pass any judgments in that. So I'm going to reserve my negative or positive thoughts on this until more information is known. But I wanted you guys to know that it's a thing and that now we should be expecting more information on it in the future. And because they've announced it, because it's hit the presses at least, uh, they will be probably providing updates as time goes on. I don't know. Let me know what you guys think. In the chat, say too soon or not soon enough. If you think this movie is a bad idea, say too soon. If you think it's a good idea, not soon enough. I would love to hear from you. Harry Lime Pie with a $2 super chat for protection from the Mideast Hit Squad. Harry, that $2 super chat is going to go a long way because I'm not even done garnering hate from the Mideast Hit Squad on today's episode. Our next story is going to get right back into it. Let's see. Sam says, of course, I'm always reading The Economist. Oh, we're talking about some different articles. Larry D says, still two years away from theaters. Tim Kennedy, thank you. Boogie Woogie, what's up? Oh, goodness, that movie is going to be bad. It'll be a propaganda piece in an attempt to make that disaster not look as bad. Well, if they are covering the Pineapple Express issue, I'll be interested to see if they take on the Marine Corps mission at all. Let's see. Just purchased Kyle Carpenter's book, You Are Worth It. His talk at USC was great. How about a movie on the mistaken drone strike in Kabul? Maybe they'll talk about it. If Channing Tatum doesn't say, my name is Jeff in the movie, I am walking out, Sam. That's, my name is Jeff. My name is Jeff. 
I love that. I love 21 Jump Street. I actually, or was that 22 Jump Street, whatever it is. I actually love the end where they're like 38 Jump Street, magic school, you know, 39 Jump Street, semester at sea. I love that. A movie treatment, AKA a movie pitch is no more than five to 10 pages. Yes, Larry. I think that's what we're looking at now. So you guys might've seen this morning that I was online playing um, Battlefield 2042. Battlefield 2042. Uh, Battlefield 2042, excuse me. Battlefield 2042. And that game, we've been waiting for that to come out. It was super fun. I'm super stoked on it. The graphics are amazing. The gameplay is really fun. All in all, so far, so good. Last week, or maybe it was two weeks ago, another game, Call of Duty Vanguard, came out. A Call of Duty game set in World War II, where, you know, it's very typical Call of Duty. And that game is in the crosshairs right now of controversy regarding its depiction of one particular religion. So let's talk about that. Call of Duty Vanguard. Video game publisher apologizes for disrespectful use of Quran. So now, Call of Duty is in real danger, probably more than they've ever been. In one scene of the popular video game Call of Duty... Torn pages of the Quran are seen scattered across the ground and in some clips splattered with blood. Now, if you guys aren't aware, the Quran is the Islamic holy book and to be handled by a non-Muslim person, to be disrespected, disrespected or desecrated in any way is a high crime worthy of death to many fundamentalists and extremists. I mean, they will kill you over this. If you think back to the... Uh, what was the name of the French, um, the French paper, Charlie something Hebdo, Charlie Hebdo, where they they went and, and assassinated reporters there over their depiction of Muhammad in their in their report. So this is no joke. Okay, Call of Duty made the decision to display, and you can see the screen grab here on your screen. It was the thumbnail for this video, but if you don't see it, it's a screenshot from a version of the zombies mode of Call of Duty Vanguard, and they have paid torn pages, splattered in blood, of the Quran on the floor in their game. Now, while if you're a freedom of expression, freedom of speech person, you might say that this is okay, you know, that th this is not a, a criminal act, but if you're Islamic, if you're Muslim, especially if the more on the you know far right side of that, so to speak, you are outraged at this and you will go to blows over it, certainly. And I don't like that one bit at all. The scenes in Call of Duty Vanguard zombies have caused uproar among many Muslims who view the Quran as sacred as the, and as the literal word of God as revealed to the Prophet Muhammad. Some have called the scenes Islamophobic. Interesting. I mean, but you got to expect that word to make it into reporting. Online social media users called for a boycott of the game using the hashtag hashtag no call of duty in Arabic and English. Many also shared screenshots of negative reviews that they had written for the game, encouraging others to do so in a bid to raise awareness on the insensitive use of the holy book. Here is a tweet from Osama Darius. Call of Duty has pages of the Quran on the floor for people to step on. I usually make excuses for people whenever they make a mistake, but this one feels intentional. I really hope that I'm wrong. Either way, this has to be corrected. It's shameful and embarrassing. Call of Duty Middle East, which I didn't know was a thing, issued a statement in Arabic on Twitter on Thursday, stating that they have removed the scenes from the game, apologizing for the offense caused. The highly anticipated first-person shooter was originally released on November 5th. So you can see the tweet in Arabic here. 
and in English it translates to, the game Call of Duty was designed for all users. There were scenes in the game which were offensive to Muslims which were shown last week and they have now been removed. They should not have been included in the game. We apologize profusely. We are taking all measures to address this issue within the company in order to understand what happened and ensure it does not happen again. Well, so one thing to keep in mind here is everything in a video game is put there manually. It takes a, it takes a real effort to put anything into a video game, okay? Call of Duty being one of the most violent video games to franchises to ever exist has a scene in one of their games modern warfare where you walk through an airport murdering civilians murdering civilians your character you do that it is the objective of the level is to kill civilians and call of duty defended themselves putting that scene in the game but here they immediately apologize remove it and then accept responsibility that they were wrong for in fact doing this. And while on one hand, I do understand that this is offensive to Islamic people, I trust me, I understand it more than most. On the other hand, I don't believe Call of Duty that they really care. I'm sure that they do not really care. The difference here, just like I say about a lot of things, is in this case, Call of Duty feels like they actually might face real consequences for this because people will literally show up at their offices and F stuff up. And as a result, they're going to kneel down and beg for forgiveness in this case. I don't believe for one second that Call of Duty, Activision, whatever EA cares at all. Whoever makes Activision, I don't know if it's EA, I guess EA might be Battlefield or whatever. Activision, I don't believe for one second that they really care they, they had all their quality assurances, you know, go through here. I'm sure that if you look hard enough, there's lots of things that offend lots of people in Call of Duty. I mean, they use magic. It's got to be offensive to witches, you know, in this in this zombie mode. But they definitely are on the defensive with this one because, for one, there's a large Muslim audience. And for two, they'll kill you. So you probably should want to be a little bit careful with this one if you, uh, if you don't. If you don't care enough to stand up for yourself when the stakes are real, then that's fine. Uh, you did make the decision to put that in the game in the first place. I don't know who did that. Maybe there'd be an internal investigation and see who did that and if there's any reason for them to do it. But it's interesting that when it comes to murdering, you know, men, women, and children, innocent people in the game, just walking through, blasting them away, nothing. Totally, totally fine. People will die on that hill defending that scene in that game. But this one, pages of a Quran on the ground, the apology team is out and in force. They say many have rejected the apology from and called for the company to apologize on their main English account. Another tweet here, blooded Quran pages on a video game, on a game like this, the producer has a bunch of software developers on their team. Nothing can be done by mistake. There's a clear hate crime, 100% Islamophobia, will never be buying any Activision or Call of Duty anymore. It's tough to say. If that's a hate crime, I don't know about that. For Muslims, the Quran is highly revered and treated with the utmost respect. Worshippers will not allow the holy book to touch the ground, for example. Just, yeah, just one more thing, you know, one more example of how seriously they take this stuff. P please believe me, this is uh, no joke at all. A tweet here from Rami Ismail. Could we please just not put text from the Quran on the ground or on places where people can walk on it? Even if you think religion is nonsense, there's just no reason to be disrespectful towards 2 billion people's culture and beliefs in a video game for a throwaway asset. I think that that's a good point. And he makes his point at the end there, a throwaway asset. 
really a, um, a a nothing thing. Like I haven't played this level of this game, but I can't imagine that having the pages of the Quran on the ground adds much to the game. Uh, I don't think that there's too much that it could to improve upon here. Um, and then Six Days in Fallujah makes an appearance in this article because Konami announced uh, it's publishing the game. Uh, it, and and I guess they have some kind of connection to Call of Duty here. So there's just they're trying to make the point that uh, these video game franchises are Islamophobic or, or or hate propagating hate. I of course don't think that. It was definitely a an interesting choice to find out what the purpose behind that was on purpose on accident. I don't know, but um, an insider who just said screw it, I'm going to do this because I feel like you know stirring the pot a little bit. But it's definitely, um, it's definitely going to. Put, I, I would say at this point, for Activision and the employees involved with the depiction of this, they'll probably never be able to rest easy again. This is the type of thing that people don't forget. And if you've got an extremist, if you've got somebody who's been radicalized, um, then they will carry this grudge for forever. And wherever those headquarters are. Look, I'd be pretty. I would take this pretty seriously if I was them. Uh, it's my tip to the to the Activision people. I would I would beef up your security. I would protect your programmers because those people are not forgiving about this. The the extremists, the fundamentalists, not forgiving about this type of thing. Um, let's see. How about a first person combat game based on the adventures of the Kenosha Kid? Oh, I didn't want to talk about that. Maybe on on Kwanda, uh, there will be a verdict in that case. Uh, I have my own thoughts on it. That are probably different from any you've heard, as the as I think it usually is. Um, so if you guys want to know, you tell me, and I'm happy to talk about it. Let's see. Remember the Islamophobic cartoon that triggered the Benghazi attack? Sarcasm. Yep, totally. I may buy Call of Duty to support Activision. Yeah. What do you think about all that? Does that cross over the line in terms of disrespect, or is this within the bounds of freedom of speech? Well, Sam, I don't think there's any question that it's within the bounds of freedom of speech. And I don't think there's any question that it's also disrespectful at the same time. The problem is, and here's where I draw the line, is responding to this with violence, which I'm sure some people are already thinking about doing. That's where I go, no go. That's not okay. Um, Activision, I believe, is an American company. Correct me if I'm wrong. And so they should be able to do this without fear of reprisal. But look at the amount of hypocrisy out there. We had just talked about... Knights of Al-Aqsa and all the hate that that's getting, but, you know, people want to go out and, you know, put all kinds of stuff in games. And then if it's on their, if it's on their political side, then they're for it. And if it's not, then it's an atrocity. It's a, it's, it's a, 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 there's shame to be alive when it happens. So nobody wants to see it from the other perspective. I support freedom of speech, but I don't think there's anything wrong with voicing concerns about hate speech. Cool. Our Conkle says, and burning our flag is absolutely fine. Yeah. Hey, it's the hypocrisy. It's the hypocrisy. Always err on the side of free speech. I agree with that. hundred percent. Speaking of uh, interesting episode we have today. This is the first website I've ever been to that's handicapped accessible. So that's something right there. We've got a, uh, we've got a story here that I'm looking at on my screen that we're about to, um, that we're about to talk about that. Well, the headline says it all. So let's just get right into it, and you guys can tell me what you think. Last week, we talked about the Marine Corps and their wokeness, their um, their manning, plan, human management 2030, talent management 2030, and all this stuff, and how the Marine Corps is kind of going woke. 
I, I, I don't know. You guys do what you want in the chat with this next one. U.S. Marines go all in on diversity, equity, inclusion training, hiring somebody for $144,000 a year, $12,000 a month for diversity, equity, and inclusion advisor position. So this, I mean, this is, this is the, this is the point here is the headline. The rest of the article here just talks about other things that the military should be focused on rather than, you know, inclusion and trans troops and stuff right now. Like the fact that Houthis took over an American embassy um, last week and nobody's really talking about that in Yemen. Um, Chinese military forces holding exercise near Taiwan and all this stuff. And what do we get out of the government in response to that? We get inclusion director for $12,000 a month. Can I get $12,000 a month? I'm trying to get $12 a day. You know, I'm, I'm, happy. I'm like, oh my God, I made $12 today. During the week, Chinese military forces held exercise near Taiwan. The drills in the area of Taiwan Strait are a necessary measure to safeguard national sovereignty, is what the Chinese say. Given these developments, the article says, sensible planners would consider making military preparedness, defense preparation, and troop recruitment and training top priorities. Instead, the administration priorities have nothing to do with actual military readiness. It intends to force march the U.S. Marines toward diversity, equity, and inclusion as the solution to make the Marines reflect America. Now, that's not a bad thing to, to say. That's not bad to do. Uh, there should be no room in the Marine Corps for exclusion, right? There should be no room in the Marine Corps for not wanting the best person for the job and seeking recruitment from non-traditional avenues, especially when we see the crisis of readiness of the civilian population with health, weight, motivation, education, all that stuff. So the Marine Corps should definitely be considering where to get the best people from. And that's what Talent Management 2030 talks about, except it is very much, um, very much on the woke end of things. And then when you see that the Marine Corps is hiring a diversity, equity, and inclusion advisor for $144,000, that's a very high paying job. And then you look at the contents of the Talent Management 2030 document, you see that there's a trend going away from lethality, it seems, as the primary focus of the perception of the Marine Corps and more into it being a safe space for everyone to join. Now, behind the scenes, when I go to the, just so you guys are aware, when I go on base, when I go to the gym, when I go out, I see Marines and I see motivated, talented, dedicated individuals doing their, doing their work, doing their thing. Um, th there's no doubt about it. It's just that in the public perception, I do see how people would be concerned that the Marine Corps and the military in general is leaning away from a primary focus on lethality and into a cultural awakening and change of policy, which I personally don't believe is actually a thing. I think it's all lip service, which is why it frightens me less than maybe it frightens other people when they hear about it. I go, oh, you know, they, they talk a big game, but are they really about it? Or behind the scenes, are they like, hoorah, kill? You know what I mean? Like, I think it's probably more like that. So this stuff doesn't, you know, scare me yet at the point that it's at at all. But I do see how other people could be concerned. Um, and other people could be thinking like, this is, uh, this is a threat to national security. I, I see it. I can see it. But do I think 
that it's the emergency we're making it out to be? I don't. Um, that's my thoughts on that. Let's see, what's going on in the, in the chat here? Call of Duty can get sometimes dark for a game trying to be a realistic for war. Well, look, they're, they're fighting zombies now, so it's not that realistic. I support freedom of speech, but I don't think there's anything wrong with voicing concerns about hate speech. Always err on the side of freedom. Pretty interesting world we live in. No tolerance for the intolerant. Activision, San Diego based. Thank you, ancient neophyte. Very thought-provoking episode, Sam says. Yes, indeed. Today is a thought-provoking episode. Uh, can't pay our service members more, MC says. 144K. Let's see. Is it just an opinion, though? It does not reflect my opinion. The purpose is to get people to think about the issue. The new USMC recruiting video is a pretty good answer to the Emma commercial while still being inclusive. Nikki MGTV just did a video on that today. It was pretty good. Uh, use correct pronouns while killing the enemy. The best of both worlds. Yes, absolutely. So I did say uh, we've got a, a, a Okinawa story today, and that's coming up. We do have a cool Okinawa story, but it's not our only Japan story today. We actually have another Japan story. This one, not as, as fun or positive. We'll get back to the good stuff here in a minute. But I just want you guys to think about this, and I've talked about it. We've talked about it a bunch. I feel like I'm jinxing it because every time I say something, something terrible ends up happening. And I'm like, see, I just was talking about this. Please be careful. Everyone drive carefully. It is the holiday season. Here we've got U.S. sailor from air station near Tokyo held in fatal collision with motorcycle rider. So this is a tragedy. We've got... A U.S. sailor stationed at Naval Air Facility Atsugi was arrested by Japanese police following a fatal collision Friday morning with a motorcyclist in the Kanagawa Prefecture. You know, driving in Japan is crazy. People drive like crazy people. A lot of people on motorcycles drive like maniacs. But in this case, it was Romo Kasum Reyes, 33 years old, who looks like caused this accident. He was held on suspicion of negligent driving resulting in injury after a car he was driving collided with a motorcycle driven by a high school student, only 17 years old, at 8 a.m. at an intersection in Ayase City, a prefectural police spokesman told Stars and Stripes. The intersection has no traffic light, the spokesman said. The teenager was pronounced dead around 10 a.m. at a local hospital. Government authorities in Japan typically speak on condition of anonymity, as you guys all know if you watch this show. TV Kanagawa reported Friday that Reyes is a petty officer first class assigned to NAF Atsugi. Sam Samuelson, a spokesman for NAF Atsugi, on Sunday said he could not immediately confirm the sailor's identity, but said the sailor is stationed there. As of Friday, Samuelson said, nothing indicates alcohol was a factor. He said the base and the sailor are cooperating with Japanese authorities. Atsugi is in the Kanagawa prefecture, 31 miles southwest of Tokyo. The Navy holds its military and civilian members to the highest level of civil responsibility on and off duty. We want to make sure our sailors do the right thing and use responsible driving. TV Kanagawa reported that Reyes admitted to police that he drove through a stop sign and collided with the motorcycle. Drove through a stop sign. Does that mean ran the stop sign or does that mean proceeded through a stop sign? I don't want to suggest that he ran the stop sign from the way that this article is written. But what I will say is if the other side had no traffic light or stop sign, then he's still at fault because even in just because you stop at the stop sign, if you pull out into oncoming traffic, that's still your fault. So tragically it ended the life of that motorcyclist and it'll probably end the life of this petty officer too. If he's found to be guilty of uh, negligent driving resulting in fatality. So this is a sad, this is a sad case right here. So please, everyone, be careful out there driving. Look both ways at stop signs. Look twice for motorcycles. 
They come out of nowhere. People ride motorcycles like crazy people, but also they're hard to see. I used to ride a motorcycle and I always just assumed everyone was actively trying to kill me. And that tended to make it pretty safe for me to drive around relatively. Driving a motorcycle, riding a motorcycle is always dangerous. But as long as you do your best to have that situational awareness and not put yourself in any unnecessary risk by driving aggressively or outside the pocket, it makes it a lot safer. And any accident on motorcycles, you know, very dangerous. Any accident, even at low speeds, is capable of severe injury or even death. This is a sad one. This is a sad one. If he ran a stop sign and caused the death of a driver, that's not good. That's not good at all. If he stopped at the stop sign and then pulled out and then the motorcycle came around a corner, let's say, at, a, at, a, at the speed limit, 40 kilometers an hour, and then there was an accident. That's a different story. And I, I don't know. I don't know what the facts are here. I'm going to reserve any further judgment than that. I'm just going to give you guys that those couple of ideas there, something to think about, because there's different options here that could be taking place. And, and if I'm wrong about one and I say this guy is a jerk for running a stop sign and causing a death and I hope that he gets the maximum punishment, then I turn out to be wrong. Well, I would really hate that. So I'm going to be a little, uh, a little hesitant here to, to, to say that. Um, this is, uh, this next thing is interesting. This next thing is super interesting because for one, I don't know, I don't understand the legality of this, nor the broader impact, the, the wave that this ripple might create could be massive. So let's talk about this. Vaccine mandates canceled by the Oklahoma National Guard Adjutant General, despite Pentagon order. Did you guys know that was even possible? And what's going to happen to these troops? It says here, the new leader of the Oklahoma National Guard issued a memo, memo Thursday ordering no troops will be required to take a coronavirus vaccine despite a mandate from the Pentagon requiring it. That's super interesting. Oklahoma Adjutant General Thomas Mancino updated the Oklahoma National Guard's vaccination policy as one of his first acts in the job, noting no negative administrative or legal action will be taken against Guard members who decline the coronavirus vaccine. Are commanders going to get word of this and go, oh, we can do that? If we can do that, we're going to do that. I hope that they would do that. I hate to see people getting kicked out over this. The decision comes after Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin in August issued a mandate requiring all service members to get the vaccine or be separated from the military for failing to obey a lawful order. The Oklahoma National Guard declined to release Mancino's member to Stars and Stripes on Friday. However, it was unclear Friday whether the Oklahoma National Guard can override the National Guard's Bureau federal mandate that requires all Guard members to be fully vaccinated by June 30th, 2022. It's a legal gray area that would have to be reviewed by our lawyers, he said. So maybe he's just trying this on behalf of all of the people who are getting kicked out. He's like, let's see, what's the extent of what I can do here for my troops? Let's see. The National Guard serves in state and federal capacities, which complicates the issue, Murphy said. This is where the difference between Title 32 and Title 10 becomes a real issue. In most instances, the Guardsmen are in their Title 32 capacity, which means they're on state duty. In order to be federalized, they have to be on Title 10, Title 10 being the overarching document that governs like military personnel. Title 10 of the U.S. Code gives the National Guard Bureau authority to issue its mandate for Guard troops activated for federal missions, while Title 32 gives individual states power, the power to issue rules when Guard troops are operating under the state's authority. 
The National Guard Bureau's vaccination deadline is different than the deadline set by the Air Force and Army. The Air Force and Army requires Guard, Airmen, and Soldiers to comply with their November 2nd and December 15th deadlines to be mobilized on federal orders more than six months before the Bureau's deadline. We have requirements in order to meet readiness standards, Murphy said. We have to comply with whatever active duty Air Force and active duty Army requirements are. The Air Force does not separate the vaccination rates of, active, of service components, though 92.8% of all Air Force, Reserve, and National Guard Airmen were vaccinated as of Tuesday. Mancino's memo came on his second day as Adjutant General. On Wednesday, Governor Kevin Stitt, a Republican, replaced Major General Michael Thompson, who had been a vocal proponent for coronavirus vaccinations with the 35-year National Guard veteran, according to Oklahoman. So could this be a political move by the governor? It, it's possible, for sure. Um, could it be a political move by the general? Also could be. Also could be. But can the adjutant general do this is the question. And if it turns out that he can... What's going to be the effect on the broader story of all these troops getting kicked out? I'm going to tell you guys, at great personal risk to my YouTube channel, I don't agree with kicking people out over the vaccine. I think that's a horrible thing to do. I think that is an absolutely dumb move. And what I actually think that it is, is a government bluff that's been called. They're talking about 5% of the military. 5% of the military getting kicked out. Would you guys just give me 5% of your money? I mean, it's crazy. Would you give up 5% of your ammunition when you're on deployment? Would you allow 5% less aircraft in the sky watching over you when you're on deployment? It's insane. 5%. And here's the real, the real you know, thing that grinds my gears. I was having this conversation with somebody over the weekend. If anybody... If anybody gets a religious exemption and then stays in unvaccinated, even though that will have some impact on readiness and deployability, although it's not clear to me and I couldn't find what exactly that is. I don't know if you'll be like, you know, confined to stateside CONUS shore duty or something like that, but um, it, it might be that. But there's just so we're all on the same page, there's people in the military with HIV. HIV does not disqualify you from military service. Now, you're probably going, well, that's only a risk to you, not to somebody else. Okay, fair, but that's not the reason I'm making the point. The reason I'm making the point is there are lots of things that people can have, including HIV, that you can stay in the military non-deployable. So you just work stateside or on, on, ba on, on bases that have adequate medical coverage for you. And if it was me, I would take all those people who are refusing the vaccine and just make them non-deployable permanently until they do and allow them to serve onshore. And even if one person gets a religious exemption and then gets to stay in, it violates the grounds that the rest of this policy is based on. Because if, if even one person gets a religious exemption and then it's a, they say, okay, well, since it's against your religion, you actually are, are considered this level of readiness and you can stay in. Well, then the threat can't be that great of the virus because otherwise they would apply that same logic to everybody who objects. It's crazy. 
It's crazy. It's just like, it's exactly the same argument I made when I said, if the threat of dying in a fire on a ship was so great that you had to shave every day, nobody would get a no shave chit, period. Nobody would because it's better to have razor bumps than die in a fire, period. So I don't see, I don't see how any of this makes any good sense. It seems really hurtful to so many people. And I saw an article today and I didn't cover it on the show today. I need to think about this a little bit more, but the article was the military is not properly screening service members getting kicked out for vaccine refusal for suicide. In other words, they're saying that there's, there, there's a concern that when 5% of the military gets kicked out, they will become at high risk for suicide. I would rather have a shipmate who's not vaccinated than one of my friends take their own lives. I'll tell you guys, that's not even a question for me. I would rather them give me a mild case of the vid than to take their own lives. And I lived through PTS and, and ERB and all these things where the Navy was drawing down manpower. And I've said this on the show before and watched grown men break down in tears, finding out that they're going to lose everything in their career and have to find a way to support their families in three months with a small severance package just because the Navy said, for no reason, we're kicking you out for manning purposes. There's a, there's a humanity issue here too, not just a vaccination, unvaccination, readiness, threat to troops, which still doesn't make any sense if 98% or 95%, 97%, some branches as high as 98% are, um, are vaccinated, then how could that 1% be such a great threat? Put them on shore duty, put them in the United States on shore commands until they feel, and then according to their own words, they just want to wait until there's more data. So eventually they'll get the vaccine and then you can deploy them again and maybe work out something like every year of shore duty, a non-vaccinated person takes, they owe two of C of, of deployable duty, something like that. There's just so many options other than jumping right to a, a, an honorable under general conditions discharge. It doesn't really add up to me. It doesn't feel like the right thing to do. My gut is telling me, and, and you usually can just tell, your gut usually tells you good info. And my gut's telling me this is not the right thing to do. And the consequences of this will be far greater than the benefits of trying to coerce or force the hand of people who don't want to get vaccinated. It's crazy. It's crazy to me. I'd love to know what you guys think about that. Um, I'm curious. I, I mean, I, I just hope... Anyone out there who supports kicking people out for not wanting to get the vaccine for whatever their personal reasons are, are also cool with family starving, poverty, and suicide. You have to be cool with those three things too, or else uh, you might want to rethink your position. Just something to think about. Just something to think about. I don't know. Just trying to be a human being over here. So, I don't know. MC. 499 Super Chat, thank you for speaking your truth. I just bit my lip, I was so excited. Thank you, MC, very much, I appreciate it. You know, one thing I guarantee you guys is I will always tell you the truth. I'm always gonna tell you what I'm honestly thinking. I'm not here to lie or mislead or misrepresent or say or echo anybody else's opinions or anything like that. I'm gonna tell you what I think based on what I think is just an obviously right and wrong thing that's going on right in front of our eyes all the time. 
So, uh, just just some thoughts. Just some thoughts. Eric says, Max, what about the fact that military vaccine compliance is only this high because of the threat of discharge? Well, you don't know that. There's no way to say that. There's no way to prove that. So, I mean, people did say that they only got it. Be- people anecdotally say that they only got it because of you know they were facing discharge. I've heard dozens of stories like that, but there's no way to really know that for sure. So, I, I would I would just say instead of I'm not fighting with you on this, because even then I still think that that's kind of jacked up. But there's no real way to know that for sure. I've got one more story for you guys today, and it's Okinawa. Let's go. Okinawa. Remember, guys, 10% off everything on skeletobutshow.com through Sunday evening, and then at midnight, the sale is over. So if you've been thinking about getting um, a shirt or some merch from skeletobutshow.com, the whole store is 10% off for Veterans Day weekend sale. So go check that out. You can get your Okinawa Seawall shirt or any other shirt that you want on there. And I've got one more story for you guys today, and it is this one. Sailor uses scuba skills, scuba Steve over here, to save Marine from Okinawa rip current. So bravo Zulu to this Navy man who saved a Marine's ass out of the ocean in Okinawa. Navy saving the Marines again. What can we say? A Navy sailor and experienced scuba diver dragged a drowning Marine to safety through a strong rip current at a popular Okinawa beach in September. This is insane. Bravo Zulu to this guy. He's going to get a super legit at the end of this, I think. It's at least a fourth rescue involving a rip current and a U.S. service member in Okinawa since October 2020, in the last year. Rip current encounters often end tragically. We talk about them on the show all the time. They have killed five service members this year in the water surrounding Okinawa. Sean Curtis, director of the Marine Corps Installation Pacific Safety Office, told Stars and Stripes. In this case, though, aviation electricians mate. Airman Ian Olney earned praise November 1st for saving a fellow service member's life, according to the official Facebook page for the Navy Command on Okinawa. Olney, a certified dive instructor, was in the right place at the right time. Staff Sergeant Marshall King, Marshall King, sorry, Marshall King of 3rd Intelligence Battalion at Camp Hansen was snorkeling mid-afternoon, September 21st, in the shallow water about 50 yards from Akuna Beach, he told Stars and Stripes during an interview Wednesday. He realized a current had carried him farther from shore. I tried to stand up and get out of it, but the current was too strong. That's very similar to the situation I was in where I talk about almost having drowned scuba diving. I was trying to get on my feet, but every time I did, I got pulled back out. Rip currents are powerful, fast-moving, narrow channels of water that move directly away from shore. The usual advice for escaping a rip current is to ride it out to calmer water, then swim parallel to the shore to get out of it, and then swim back into shore. If you guys ever do find yourself in a rip current, that is something you can do to try to get out of it and also try to remain calm so you don't panic and get out of breath and exhaust yourself. But this current refused to yield, King said. He said he followed that advice, but after a half hour, found himself alone 200 yards from shore and moving farther. And that's not a good situation to be in. That's when I started really panicking, he said. I started screaming, and that's when Airman Olney heard me. Thank God. Olney, 21, from North Captiva Island, Florida, was spearfishing nearby with his Japanese dive buddy, Yuki Watanabe, when he heard King yelling that call for help and that began a 45-minute-long endurance test for both men against the stubborn current. 45 minutes. A PA Poseidon battery technician at Kadena Air Base only grew up in the Caribbean islands and on Hawaii. He said Tuesday, as a dive instructor, he's trained to deal with distressed swimmers. He said he yelled to an exhausted king to swim towards him. 
It was not going to happen, King said. My fins fell off a long time ago. Instead, Olney dove to the ocean bottom and rode the current out to King, whom he found sinking and swallowing water. Oh, geez, that's, he's drowning. He's drowning at this point. He was in full-blown panic, Oni said, but he was the type of guy to snap out of it. He grasped King by his torso, instructed him to relax, stay on his back, and backstroke towards shore. He pulled the Marine for a half an hour to calmer water. This is incredible. This is incredible. That's a feat of endurance right there, to take somebody who was drowning and then rescue them and swim with them for 30 minutes in a current to get towards something you can grab hold of. He grasped King by his torso, instructed him to relax, and then made that half-hour swim to calmer water where they rested on a rock. Only rolled King on his back, grasped the coral reef, which is sharp, by the way. Coral reef, sharp and jagged. It'll cut you and sting you. Uh, and he pulled him in. Only and Watanabe then each took an arm and swam King to the beach. Watanabe was his dive partner again. King joined the Marines in 2014 and returned to Okinawa in May 2019 for his third six-month tour on the island. A friend of mine died in a rip current in 2016 out here in Okinawa, so I was familiar with the dangers of what the waters out here can do. Since 2040, U.S. service members have died from drowning in the waters around Okinawa. It's very dangerous, you guys. It's very dangerous. King had no doubt that only saved his life. If he was not there, I am 100% certain it would have been a different outcome, King said. I would have drowned. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So he was out there snorkeling, probably didn't have a personal flotation device, got caught in the rip current, which is common out here in Okinawa. And thank goodness for this sailor, Olney, who came out there and saved his life. I got to give him a super legit. I've got to drop it. Super legit for that sailor. Bravo, Zulu. And that's going to be the last story for today, guys. As always, Check those links in the description down below for the best ways to support the channel, including shopping at scuttleblitzshow.com, joining as a member, joining Patreon, all of that. I appreciate you guys being with me here today. Let me just catch up on the comments here. Seems like a lot of Marines are almost drowning in Okinawa. The water in Okinawa is extremely dangerous, but also it's like, let's just go swim in the oceans right there. It's going to be so fun, but it's incredibly dangerous. What if those who don't take the vaccine and are stationed at home pose a small threat to those also at home who have relatives that are immune compromised? Just a question. Well, it hardly matters as far as military readiness goes. Nuggets. Never swim against the rip current. Swim parallel to the shore until you're out of the rip and then swim in. Yep. The idea of open ocean scares me. Have you guys seen vids about giant squids? <laughs> um, let's see. He may have been wearing that bad luck charm that caused the Brady Bunch to almost drown in Hawaii. I don't, even, I don't even remember that Brady Bunch. Navy bails out the Marines again. Hard to think you could swim for dragging that Marine with those massive balls. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Off-duty swimming, more deadly than training exercises. Probably true. Rip currents are nasty. I remember Hugh Jackman and his son had a scare with a rip current. Yeah, it's very scary. It's very scary. I was in one, and I thought I was going to drown, for sure. It's a f it, it gave me ocean PTSD. I'm not even joking. Um, it, it really, really did. All right, guys, that's going to wrap it up for today. It's noon out here in Okinawa. I hope you guys have a great Sunday evening. I'll be back tomorrow with another Scuttlebutt show. I have the Marine Corps ball Wednesday out here in Okinawa, so stay tuned to my Instagram for stories about the Marine Corps ball. It should be really fun. I'm looking forward to it. If you guys have a Marine Corps ball coming up or anything like that, my go-to one line for that is go to the highest-ranked person in the room and you go, sir, you must have a lot of balls under your belt, and then that's a great Marine Corps ball joke. So enjoy, do what you want with that information, use it at the, any other ball that you want to. Just find a senior person and go, you, 
You've been in it for a while. You must have a lot of balls under your belt. Congratulations. You're welcome for that gift. Enjoy it. Do whatever you will with it. With all that being said, I look forward to talking to all of you very soon tomorrow. But until now, until then, geez, until then, for now, that's the scuttlebutt.